Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody feeling today? That good, huh? It's good to see each and every one of you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 in the precious Word of God. And as you're turning, I just want to ask you to continue to keep uh, the Rich Creek family in prayer. And I was able to see Tim the other day and and made made a trip down to Florida to take care of some business uh, with the passing of his dear mother. And so we want to continue to lift up uh, Tim and his family. And then also uh, Jeremy. Bless your heart, we want to continue to keep Jeremy and the rest of the family, Brother Tom's dear wife, and I know this is your brother, I've not met him, but I see him now, and uh, I will say he's taller than you, Jeremy, so uh, I noticed that when I walked in, but uh, we want to keep the Gibson family in prayer, Uh, and certainly we have a number of people and a number of extended family and friends, in fact, I got a text uh, as I was between Bible study and worship from uh, one of our families, and uh, One of their kids was in the vicinity of another person who had COVID, and so you know the deal, uh, quarantine. And so keep, uh, there's Tim right over there. And so let's keep uh, these ones who are still dealing with COVID in prayer. We have a lot to praise, amen? Uh, We praise the Lord for how he uh, worked in Debbie Amati's surgery this week, so we give him all the glory for that, amen? And uh, she's continuing to recover, and then Barry Barlow is continuing to recover from his quadruple bypass, and, uh, and then uh, it's good to know that Margie Blankenship, who last Sunday was in the hospital, is now at home and recovering, and so we praise the Lord for how he's worked in these different situations and scenarios, but in John chapter 3 this morning, I want to talk to you simply, in fact, it's already up, as we get ready for Christmas, I think it's appropriate that we talk about the greatest love story of all, and so let's read in John chapter 3 couple of very familiar verses of scripture and I would encourage you to open up your eyes and your heart and look on these verses today as if you haven't seen them ever before. By the way, before we get into the service, I just saw her back here. I want to wish Mark and Christine, Christina, y'all are going to have a happy anniversary tomorrow. Uh, I was thinking about it just a minute ago. It's tomorrow, right? And so happy anniversary to you guys. John chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 This is Jesus. Interestingly enough, Brother Spain was talking about a lawyer who asked a couple of questions from Luke chapter 10 in our Bible study hour. And here we have another lawyer, someone who would have been well acquainted with Jewish law, somebody who would have understood what was going on. He's asking some questions as well. And uh, Jesus has this dialogue with him and he tells him, you know, that unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God and on and on. And he talks about some various things, and when we get down to to verse number 16, notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In verse number 17, the Bible says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him. Amen? That the world through Him might be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this day that you have made, and certainly we rejoice, and I am glad in it. Lord, we thank you for the victories of this past week, and Lord, we thank you for the promise of your scripture that tells those who are hurting in the midst of a season of loss 
The blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so, Lord, I pray that you continue to wrap your loving arms of comfort about Tim and his family and, God, for Jeremy and the Gibson family. God, I pray for others. I see Brother Ron here. I pray that you continue to wrap your arms of love and comfort about Ron and Mary during this season of which they've experienced great loss. So many of our families, so many who are hurting, the Sunderlands and on and on we could go, the Anchors family. Lord, we know that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. But Lord, we're calling on you today to do exactly that, to comfort those who are in need. Lord, I pray through the preaching and teaching of your word today that if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, God, that today would be that day that you do a miracle in our midst. Lord, I pray through the preaching of the word and the wooing of the Holy Spirit that you would reclaim the sinner, God, that you would draw the one who has strayed back close to thee. Lord, we would give you the praise and the honor for all that you'll do and we'll give you the honor and the glory that you so richly deserve. For it's in Jesus' precious name and for his sake we pray, amen and amen. Well, I got some good news and bad news. It looks like we made it. Another December has come. I turned around and it was December 1st on Wednesday. I was like, what in the world? I woke up and I said, is it really December? And I should have known the answer because back in October, Hallmark reminded me that it was December. I mean, you look around, Christmas shopping, Christmas songs are playing on the radio, Christmas shows and movies that all tend to point to a love story. Now, I was going to put a picture up on the screen. In the interest of honesty, I was going to look at my wife. My wife, her head went like this, gave me the look, you know. I was going to put a picture of her when she was 15 and myself when I was 18 up on the screen and uh, remind you of a great love story. But I decided that it was in my better interest not to put that picture on the screen without written consent to do so. Uh, but anyway, uh, everything about the season points to love. And as we, uh, and by the way, I'm not necessarily opposed to all those things that I just mentioned. But as we begin our journey through this season of Advent, which most churches began to discuss last week, I think it would be appropriate for us to consider the greatest love story of all. Amen? The greatest love story of all. And we can actually do that by focusing on these two very familiar verses of Scripture. Truly, I put down in my notes that Christmas is a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time for any believer. It's a wonderful time for us to celebrate the greatest love story known to humankind. And that's God's love story. By the way, even though we have a wonderful love story, still going on, by the way, still going on. I keep the honey in the honeymoon, right? <laughs> Linda, all right. <laughs> but even though we have a great love story, it pales. It pales in comparison to the greatest love story of all. You may have a wonderful love story, sir, ma'am, 
But I got news for you. It pales in comparison to the greatest love story of all. In this passage, if you notice back with me, Jesus is talking to this lawyer, Nicodemus. And in very short order, Jesus actually reveals the facts, the evidence, the purpose, the proof, and the means of God's great love story. And so let's dissect these two verses. We're not going to have a lot of intro. We're not going to have a lot of poems. Let's just get into these verses and see what the Lord wants to remind us today about his great love story. Notice with me, first of all, if you're a note taker, I want you to notice the facts, the facts surrounding God's love story. Look at verse 16. The very first portion of it says, For God so loved, what? For God so loved the what? The world. Now for you and I, for those who've been around churchianity or maybe as believers, this is not a far-fetched idea that God so loved the world. In fact, we take that and we've appropriated that promise from Scripture. But to somebody like Nicodemus, this would have been a far-fetched idea. And so for when Jesus breaks down and he says, Hey, Nicodemus, God actually loves the whole world. Not just you as a Jewish man, but he loves the whole world. That would have been something that was very new to Nicodemus. And you see, the Jewish people believe that God loved them. Watch it. They believed that God loved them because they were religious. And they believed that God hated the non-Jew or the Gentile because they were not religious. And so there was a big difference during that time. So when Jesus declares this fact that God actually loves the whole world, it would have been a shock to the system. But I want to encourage you. I want to show a verse on the screen, guys. If you'll put up 1 John 2.2. 2. 1 John 2.2. 2. I'm so thankful for this verse of Scripture and you say, what's the big deal? Well, notice what it says. It says that Jesus is not only the propitiation. Now, that's a big, long word in the King James, which actually literally means that Jesus is the atonement for our sins. Amen? He's the one that purchases our freedom, if you please. He's the redeemer. He's the expiator is another word that you might find. But he is the atonement for our sins. But what I love about this word is the Greek word where it says the whole world. The, the, the word world in the Greek is the word cosmos. And it actually refers by implication to the world. Now watch this. You say, yeah, the world, we get it, move on. No, it actually refers to the world including all of its inhabitants. That means that this verse of Scripture says that Jesus is the propitiation or the atonement for our sins, but here's the beautiful opportunity for the world, but for the sins of the whole world. He's the opportunity of love, and even today, I'll tell you, people question how God could love the whole world. We look around, and there's some people who are just quite honestly, let's be honest, unlovable. You ever met somebody unlovable? Don't laugh, ladies. You meet people uh, who, have you ever met an evil person? They're just evil. And, you, and, and you, you, you wish that somebody would have given them a good uh, correction when they were a child. Uh, you ever met somebody who's a little prideful? Nobody in this room, I know. No pride here, right? You ever met a thief? You ever met a rapist, a murderer? You ever met somebody who was uh, just known to be a fornicator? That's just their deal. You ever met a liar? I'll tell you what, one thing that gets me going, my wife's starting to smile already, is man, you could, listen, I heard this long time ago, you can't train lazy and you can't get truth from a liar. 
you know the devil's a liar, right? The Bible says he's a liar. He's also a murderer. So that's why I always encourage people, hey, man, don't listen to the devil. He hates you. He's a liar. Jesus is the propitiation of, for our sins and the sins of the whole world. Uh, listen, quite simply, God's love is not based on my goodness. Now, I'm not saying that I don't try to be good and I hope to be good and, and I think I'm doing a pretty good job at being good, but it's not based on my goodness. His love is based on His nature. Listen, I got some good news for you. He loves you on your good days just as much as he loves you on your bad days. Anybody had a bad day this past week? Let's see some honesty. Come on, somebody give me some honesty today. Nobody had a bad day. Yeah, I got, I got 25 people in the room of how many that daggone say they had a bad day this last week. Man, everybody's just cooking with Crisco then, right? <laughs> Young people are like, what's Crisco? Uh, what's Crisco? God loves us. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. It's all about God's love story Christmas. He loves us on our good days just as much as he loves us on our bad days because his love is not based on my goodness. His love is not based on your goodness. His love is not based on your obedience because when you were not obedient, he still loved you. His love is not, here's the thing, regardless of whether you feel like he loves you or whether you feel like you deserve his love, it doesn't matter. He still loves you. Verse number 16, look at it again. It says, God so loved the world. This actually means that he loves everyone, the unlovable, even those that we think are unreachable, he loves. Even, do you know that God even loves the lowly Dallas Cowboy fans? I, I can't understand it, but he does. He under, he, he, listen, his thoughts and his ways are higher than our thoughts and our ways. He loves even the cowboy fan. He doesn't love their sinfulness, but he loves them. And if you're an Eagles fan, we're going to have to have a little uh, a session off to the side. I hear someone saying, okay, I'm an Eagle fan. Oh, sorry, Dave. He still loves you, Dave. <laughs> Just the other Eagle fans. Listen to, what, listen to what Scripture says in Romans chapter 10, in verse number 12. Here's what the Scripture proclaims. It says, there's no difference, I love this, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. That would have been a shock to Nicodemus as well. Because Nicodemus, remember, he's thinking God loves the Jews because of their religiosity and so Romans chapter 10 and verse number 12 would have been a shock to him as well. But the Bible says there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Watch what it says. It says, for the same Lord. Amen. There's one Lord. There's only one. Don't be confused by what you see on somebody's bumper sticker. There's only one. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. You say, man, that's pretty exclusive. Yeah, but it's all inclusive. Anybody, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a great message. Watch. It says, the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Because I want you to see something in scripture. Because I'm talking to you about the facts of God's love story. And we see it right here in scripture. In 1 John chapter 4. 
And if you get there before I do, say amen. amen. Man, everybody's there before me. 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse number 7. Verse number 7 and following. John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Beloved, let us love one another. That's kind of what you were talking about this morning, Spain. This idea of compassion and mercy and love. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of who? And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse number 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that, excuse me, we might live through him. Verse number 10. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, there's that word again, propitiation or atonement for our sins. Verse number 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, and by the way, let's just stop right here. It says, beloved, if God so loved us, he did and he does. He loves you today. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, whether you're on the mountaintop or you're in the midst of the valley or you're somewhere in between, I want you to know that God loves you. Amen? It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God actually dwells in us and His love, watch it, His love is perfected in us. Now, if you drop down near the end of verse number 16 of that same passage, the Bible says this. It says, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So you say, what's the big deal? Verse number 16 repeats exactly what John wrote in verse number 8. Well, I just have to believe that the Holy Spirit has John repeat this idea about God being love because he not only wants John, but he wants you and I to delight in the fact... That God's love story is based on one thing and one thing only. It's not your goodness. It's not your good looks. It's not my good looks. It's not my wealth. It's not my health. It's not anything that I have. It's not how I respond. It's not my obedience. It's not whether I'm up this day or down the other day. It's all, all based on the fact that God himself is love. He is a God of love. The other day... My mother-in-law, she asked me, she said, she said, so what sin are you preaching on Sunday? <laughs> and I said, got news for you, I'm not. I'm going to preach on God's love story. Guys, it's the greatest love story known to man. I don't need to preach on sin. Everybody in this room and everybody watching, you already know and I already know that we're all sinners. All of us have come short of the glory of God. There's no need to harp on it. We're all sinners the only difference is between those who are saved and those who are unsaved is those who are saved actually believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and they actually believe that and accept that, turn from their sin and ask Jesus to come in and change them from the inside out. That's the only difference. But here's the beautiful thing. God actually loved us before we trusted Christ. And he loves everyone. Oh, listen, that's why we can celebrate Merry Christmas. By the way, can I just encourage you, stay away from the Merry Xmas. The Merry Xmas and the Happy Holidays. There is only one, I know, and I'm going to get emails. 
There's one holiday. It's Christmas. Now you say, well, that's very, that's very narrow-minded. You know, we got Kwanzaa, this and all this. No, no, no. I celebrate Christmas. The birth, the first advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. That's what we're celebrating. The tinsel and the decorations. By the way, I, I got to give props. Travis did it again. Can you give him some love? He did it again. He did it again. This guy, this guy, I don't know, one day he may have his own show on HGTV. I don't know. <laughs> that, would be, that would be amazing. <laughs> he had help from a bunch of little elves, but you know what? Did a wonderful job. The reality, though, folks, is this is just stuff. God's love story is not based on decorations. His love story is based on the fact that he is love himself. He loved you and he loved me. That's why we need to talk about and celebrate Merry Christmas. Look back at verse number 7 of this passage for just a second. Because in verse number 7, when John says that love is of God, he's actually making the point that God is not only benevolent in nature, but that God is actually benevolence himself. And so here's the deal. God is the epitome of kindness and compassion and generosity. But watch it. Kindness, compassion, and generosity. He's the epitome of all of those things all at the same time. All at once. You see, God understands that love is a verb. <laughs> so I, I get a lot, you know, where did this word come from or where did that word come from? God understands that love is a verb. Because you see, his love story, in his love story, by the way, this is his story, history, his story, his love story, he acts, he demonstrates, and he shows you and he shows me that he loves us. In fact, guys, if you'll put up Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. Now, a lot of times we read this and we simply say that God commendeth, or we'll say this, or proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But I want you to look at it afresh and understand that when we read this verse where it says, but God commendeth, here it is. He actually introduced. He actually exhibited. He actually separated out his love to us. So the fact is that hearing his love, that not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself as a propitiation for our sins. The point is that when God introduced or exhibited his love for us, we didn't even know about his love. That's when he introduces it. He commends it. He proves it to us because he is love. And when we take time to consider all the facts surrounding his love, we see that his love never sits still. Oh, yes, the many wonders of God's love. We're reminded that Christmas is in fact a love story. 1 John 3 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. 1 John 4, 19, We love him because he first loved us. Oh, the facts are clear. God is love and he loves every one of us. Secondly, I want you to see the evidence, the evidence of God's love story. Look back in John 3, John chapter 3, in verse number 16. And I want you to pick up the phrase right after, For God so loved the world. Watch what it says. Here's the evidence that he gave his only begotten son. 
So God actually demonstrates, he initiates, he exhibits his love to us in the depth of his love in the most perfect way possible. He gives us his only son. He gives himself to us. Oh, through Jesus Christ our Lord. In John chapter 1 and verse number 14, I actually picked up the uh, Santa Biblia this morning and, and referenced they had no idea that I was going to reference that in my message, but it just did. And uh, I referenced uh, um, Saint Juan, San Juan, San Juan, uno y catorce, exactly. And uh, that's this verse here, John 1, verse 14. The Bible says, in the Word, and that's speaking of Jesus, by the way, because verse 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so when we get down to verse number 14, it says, And the Word, speaking of Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, friends, God not only loved us, He so loved us. Oh, have you ever loved someone and you just keep on loving them? You know they don't deserve it, but you just keep on loving them? That's how God loves us. He keeps on loving us even though we don't deserve it. He, he sent and he gave his son Jesus Christ not only to live, but he sent him knowing full well that he would one day die. In fact, John 15 verse 13, the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. John 3 16, the word gave carries twofold meaning. First of all, it means that God gave his son to the world as our example. And God also gave his son for the world to be our redeemer. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53, Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53. I want you to see something. This is speaking about the prophecy of Jesus. And it's not, as, uh, it's not your typical prophecy speaking in reference to the birth of our Savior as like Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, Isaiah chapter 9 and... In verse 6 and on and on, Isaiah 11 and other passages. But notice what Isaiah chapter 53 says. When you get there, look down at verse number 3. In verse number 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As we hid, it says, As we hid it were our faces from him, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But look, verse number 5. Verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Verse number 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Anybody here ever gone astray? The Bible says, all oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But I want you to drop down. Look down at verse number 10 of this passage. Because when you get down to verse number 10, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, and he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Look at the first phrase of verse number 10. It says, and it pleased the Lord to prove him. Why? Guys, 
if you've never looked at this verse before in this way, why or why would it please the Lord to bruise his only begotten son? I got one word for you. That's right, Pam. It's called love. It pleased him because his son was sent. His son was given to accomplish the mission of God's great love story in offering himself as a sacrifice. This is the evidence that we have of God's great love. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes it this way. He says, For he hath made him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen? Amen? Man, can I tell you something? Can I just have, you know what they used to call them? I don't know what they call them anymore. Fireside chats. Can I just encourage you? I know I'm stepping out of the lighting and all this stuff. Can I just have a second? This thing isn't even in my notes. Can I beg of you, please, during this Christmas season, don't let these verses of Scripture, don't let this promise of God's amazing love story fall on deaf ears. Let it be fresh again. Oh man, we ought to celebrate Christmas every day. But in the month of December, we've typically set aside one particular day where we really focus our attentions on it. And can I say this as lovingly as possible? It's not about the presents that are under your or my tree. It's about the present that was hung on a tree a long time ago. Oh, never get over, never get over the love story of Christmas. Oh, friends, don't ever, don't ever lose sight of God's love for you and his love for me. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 13, Paul says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Oh, friends. The evidence of God's sweet love is that he actually took the initiative to restore a relationship that he didn't break. He took the initiative to restore a relationship that he didn't break. Oh, friends, it's clear the love of God. But notice verse 16 again of our text. I want us to see the purpose. The purpose of God's love story. Because it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Here's the purpose. But have everlasting life. The purpose of God's love story is and was and always will be that men and women and boys and girls will come to faith through Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. Point blank. Isaiah 59 and verse number 2 reminds you and me that our iniquities, our iniquities have separated us. From God, Our iniquities, our sins have hid his face, his face from ours. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10 says that there's none righteous, no, not one. That means that every one of us need Jesus. Every one of us need to be recipients of this greatest love story of all. Romans 5 and verse number 12 illustrates for us the imputation of sin that has been placed upon us when we date it all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Through Adam. Romans 3, as I said before, Romans 3 and Romans chapter 6 both point to the reality of not only our sinfulness but our penalty. So there's no need for me to remind us what I'm trying to remind us today is that we are recipients of the greatest love story known to man. 
By the way, that's why the purpose of God's love story is threefold. The purpose of God's love story is threefold. Number one, it's to save us from perishing. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus saves, right? So think about it. It's to, it's to keep us, to save us from perishing. The word perishing means to die or to be lost or to be destroyed fully. It carries the idea of being without life, without peace, and without hope. And here's what I know. If you know Jesus, you know, what, you know hope. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know what real hope is about. You might place your hope in your job, but I got news for you. As a lot of people are finding out, that job can go away real quickly. You might place your hope in a family member or a friend, but I got news for you. Sometimes family and friends will let you down. Anybody ever been let down by a family or a friend, family member or a friend? Maybe you've been let down this week. Man, if we want to have real hope, if we want to experience real peace, then we must understand the greatest love story of all. Oh, purpose number one, to save us from perishing. Number two, to save us to eternal life. Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen? Oh, what a Savior we serve. And then to save us through our belief, Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Oh, praise his holy name. I think about the purpose. It's evident in scripture. And by the way, let me just give you a little fun fact because we typically know what verse 9 and verse 10 say of Romans chapter 10. But can I lovingly, guys, can you show verse number 11? This might sting a little, but it's okay. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing, 2021. I remember a day when people weren't ashamed to talk about Jesus. I think we have gone into this secret saint club where it's like we're all wearing hoodies. Man, hoodies are cool, so we're wearing hoodies, right? And we rarely come out to say anything about Jesus. Friends, it's okay when somebody says happy holidays or Merry Xmas, it's okay to say you have a Merry Christmas. It's okay. Oh, that's offensive. No, you know what's offensive? What's offensive is denying Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That's offensive. Denying the fact that you have a Savior named Jesus is offensive. Not to me, but to Him. That's why this verse says not to be ashamed of this love story. Man, can I tell you something? And I tell this to everybody that I do premarital counseling with. Nobody... And I mean nobody. I don't care how big a boy or big a girl you are. Nobody talks about my wife. I'm just telling you. In private or public. If I find out you're talking about old girl. If you're talking about Critta, Von Ritter, KVR Dave, or girl. It's on. It's on. And you say, ooh, pastor. Didn't. No, I'm just serious. Can I tell you? That's not appropriate. That's my wife. 
She is to be loved. She is to be encouraged. She is to be lifted up. And I'm not going to stand around while somebody talks about her. In fact, my wife has had to talk me off the fence a time or two. I remember, and I'm being serious. I'm being serious. There was a dude down in Georgia. You know the song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And I believe he was kin to him. He went down to Georgia, and I'll leave it at that. But he intimated and said some things about my wife that were so slanderous and so false and so untrue and so hurtful that I told her, I said, I'm going to Georgia. You know, she said, and what are you going to do in Georgia? I'm going to let him hear what I have to say. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And she said, and how would you be representing Jesus there? I said, but he said something about you. She said, it don't matter to me. She said, my Lord is bigger than that. Can I tell you guys, there's a time to stand up and there's a time to sit down. And the time to sit down is not when people are making fun or talking about your Savior. By the way, read Psalm chapter 1. You want to be blessed. Don't stand in the counsel of the ungodly nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Right? People are talking about your God, your Savior. It's time to stand up. It's not time to, to, to hide behind some hoodie or some cloak and be a secret saint. It's time to stand up and say, man, praise the Lord. Have a Merry Christmas. Do them like Darren does. Tell them Jesus loves them. Right? It's okay. Oh, my friends, we should never be ashamed. Number four, the proof of God's love story. In verse number 17, here's the proof. I love the proof because, yeah, listen, I used to hear this saying a long time ago, and the young people are going to be like, I never heard that saying before. There's proof in the pudding, right? There's proof in verse number 17 of God's amazing love story. Look at it. It says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. The proof of God's love can actually be seen in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, we find that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 in verse number 14 that says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. If you get over to the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, in verse 26 and following, he got the whole story where the angel Gabriel is talking to Mary, this virgin, and he announces to Mary, he says, hey, you're going to conceive a son by the Holy Ghost, and here's the reality. Uh, the rest of the world may try and twist the story and change the story, but the reality is you're a virgin, and the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you, and you're going to be great with child. And here's the reality. When you give birth to that child, you're going to name him Jesus. You go on and you read in Matthew chapter 1. In fact, Colby read a portion of that passage in Matthew chapter 1 where the angel Gabriel is coming to Joseph. And he tells Joseph in verse number 20 and 21, he says, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Praise the Lord. And you say, what else do you have for me in this realm of the proof? Well, I think about what the Apostle Paul said to the church of Galatia in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 and 5. 
He says, but when the fullness of time was come, he said, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. But why did he do this? Verse number five tells us to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. God's beautiful love story, this is a great verse of scripture if you've never considered it because God's beautiful love story points out not only the proof of his love but the proof of his protection as well. Keep verse number five up there. If you've never studied it, the idea that Jesus would come and redeem us and he would do so so that we might receive the adoption of sons is pretty important because in Jewish culture at that time, if you were adopted, you could never be disowned. I don't, as like, a, like an attorney, I rest my case. That's all you need, the proof of God's love right there. God sent Jesus to the earth on that very first Christmas day, if you please, and he understood that he wasn't just sending Jesus to lay in a manger as a baby. He was sending Jesus to die for my sins and your sins and the sins of the world. Oh, what a Savior, what a love story. I think about Dr. Adrian Rogers. He once was having a conversation, and I shared this about five years ago. He was having a conversation with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, as you know, was studying Islam at the time. And Muhammad Ali, they were talking back and forth, and finally Muhammad Ali said to Dr. Rogers, he said, hey, you say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because he was born a virgin. He said, well, let me put something to you. He said, shouldn't that make Adam even more of a son of God than Jesus Christ? I mean, after all, he was, he was not born of any human means. He said, doesn't that make him more of a son of God? Dr. Rogers said in that moment that he looked at Muhammad Ali and he said, champ, he said, I want you to know one thing. He said, Jesus Christ is not the son of God because he was born of a virgin. Jesus Christ is the son, was born of a virgin because he was the Son of God. And I got news for you. He not only was the Son of God, but he still is the Son of God. In Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11, the angel said unto the shepherds who were watching over their flock by night, you know the story. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Oh, yes, friends. Jesus Christ was the Son of God long, long before he was ever born of a virgin. The proof of his love can be seen that God actually sent his son in the world. Look there at verse number 17 again. Not to condemn the world, but as a result of his love. Oh, friends, it's amazing to me because you know what we actually deserve? We actually deserve condemnation. We actually deserve uh, this idea of judgment and, and condemnation. But Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 4 and following reminds us these words. It says, But God who is rich in mercy or love for his great love wherewith he loved us, there it is three times in a row, even when we were dead in sins hath he quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus can I just lovingly say something? Jesus was not sent to condemn the world and neither are we. I got a few people on that one. Jesus wasn't sent to condemn the world and neither are we. Not my job. It's not my job. Listen, Mike and Jessica and the family gave me a t-shirt 
uh, back in, in October at my birthday and Pastor Appreciation Day and said, uh, uh, heaven is my home, I'm just here on a recruiting mission. Right? That's a great, great t-shirt. I'm not called to condemn people. How dare I think I'm qualified to condemn anybody? If I'm going to condemn somebody, I need to start with me, myself, and I. And yet, many times, by our thoughts, by our words, and by our actions, we do just that, don't we? We got to get out of the condemnation business and get into the loving business. And by the way, I'm not saying be so sappy that they don't share truth because Jesus came and they beheld him. He was full of grace and truth. So you know what? We speak the truth in love. Don't go out trying to condemn somebody. We need to take a look in the mirror before we do that. Lastly, I think we should remember the means of God's love story. Look at verse number 17. Verse number 17. Remember, it, it, it tells us here at the last phrase, it says, but the world through him, through who? Jesus might be saved. As was said earlier, as Spain was even talking, it's only through Jesus that you and I can be saved. And so God's love story is all about Jesus because he's the only one that was worthy. He's the only one who is worthy. 1 Timothy 1, 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul said, I'm the worst of the worst but I'm giving God the glory because Jesus died for my sins and he did for every one of us. He's the only one worthy. He's the only mediator. In fact, 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He's the only way, as I've already referenced. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me and he is the only means in Another way to say the only means is to say he's the only way. But in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, Paul says this, he says, Neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must save. And I said Paul, but that was Peter who said that. All my friends, the facts, the evidence, the purpose, and the proof, and the means of God's love story can only be found in one person and as you begin this journey towards the day of celebrating Christmas, I want you to know that it can only be found in the one person named Jesus Christ. Turn with me and I want to close. Yes, this will be the last passage of Scripture, Michaela. In 1 John chapter 3. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. I promise I'm not going to pull out three more passages, Michaela. The love is so genuine. Sometimes. It's like Spain, you were talking about we're conditional people. If you let us out right at 11 o'clock, we're going to love you. Get up past 11 o'clock. We hate you, brother. All right, 1 John chapter 3. Let's try and get out. 1 John chapter 3. Notice what verse number 1 and 2 says. John writing the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, Behold, I love it. He says, behold, what manner of what? Love. Say that word again. Love. Man, doesn't that sound good? Yeah. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Verse 2, 
Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now stop. If you are born again, you are a son of God. Ladies, I'm sorry, but you want to be a son of God in this regard. Just say amen. 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 All right? Just enjoy the trip. Watch what it says. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know. I like that word, no. It's not we guessing. It's not we're hoping so. It's not a maybe so. It says, but we know that when he shall appear, one day he's coming back. I get excited about that. One day he's coming back, and you can't help it. And I got some other news for you. You can't stop it. One day he's coming back. Watch, it says, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One day, God's amazing love story is going to make sense. You say, I don't understand it. It's okay. I don't understand it all. You say, it blows my circuit breaker. It blows my circuit breaker to think that God would love me, a sinner, condemned, undone. But that's exactly what he did. The Bible says he died for me. He died for the ungodly. And he loves me. And he loves you. It doesn't matter whether you love him or not. He keeps on loving you. I love that. I love that. And there's a great movie that I pull a line from. It doesn't matter if you believe in God. It doesn't. It matters. But if you say so, it doesn't matter. He believes in you enough to love you and to die for you and to care for you and to provide for you. You know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so we just keep on praying. We just keep on plodding away. We just keep on loving people. If you're here today and you say you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, do me a favor, say amen and act like you mean it. Amen. All right, and act like you mean it. I, I threw that in. It wasn't in my notes. I just threw that in. I want to encourage you, if you responded today, if you just said amen, you responded. I believe, here's what I believe. I believe that the Lord will use our response to his love to either set, watch this, to either set or to recalibrate our spiritual compasses this season. If you really take time, guys, think about it. If you really take time to process the facts, the evidence, the purpose, the, 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 the proof and the means of God's love. If you really take that time to do that, and you recognize that, and you believe that you have a relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ the Son, if that's your testimony today, I believe that if we get serious about God's love story, He will use our seriousness, the heart, our desire in our heart, to either set in many cases, or to recalibrate in some cases, our spiritual compass. And so here's the deal. If you know him here, I'm going to ask you to do something crazy today. Because sometimes I get crazy. If you know him, I'm going to ask you to renew. To renew your love. Say, God, help me to love you more. Help me to fall more in love with you. Help me to fall more in love with your word. Help me to actually be like the good Samaritan and fall more in love with people. 
through this Christmas season. God, maybe you would use my life to draw men and women or boys and girls unto yourself. So God, right now, right today, I'm going to renew my love for you. I'm going to call and I'm going to lift up my petitions. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to thank you. And I'm going to ask you to do a work in my life like never before. I'm asking everyone who said amen to do that. You say, well, how we do that? That's between you and God. You just talk with God. And you say, well, is there some special potion? No, because you see God looks on the heart. See, sometimes we look on the outward appearance of a man or a woman. But God looks on the heart. He knows what's going on in your heart. And so I ask you, right where you're at, you can come to a, uh, yeah, whether you want to make fun or call it the old-fashioned altar or whatever, you can come up here and you can pray and praise God or you can do it right there where you're seated. But I want to ask you to renew your love for him today. And maybe you're here and to be honest, you were unable. You were unable to respond a moment ago. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're not here, but you're watching online and you're saying, hey, pastor, I heard the message. I heard you talking about the facts, the evidence, the purpose, the proof, and the means of God's love. And I've heard about God's love, but I have never, ever, ever trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want you online, and I want you in this room, if that's your case, I want you to know one simple truth. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. All you need to do is accept that gift. He willingly died in your place and in my place. And all you need to do is receive that gift, that promise of Scripture that says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. You don't have to have a Bible college degree. You don't have to be a, a theologian. You just have to be somebody that realizes you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And you call on the Lord to forgive you. It was Corey Tin Boone who said these words. <laughs> she said, who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is that God loved the world. The perfect gift is that He gave His only Son. The only requirement is to believe in Him. And the reward of faith is that you shall have everlasting life. As John chapter, 1 John chapter 3 said, if you've never trusted Him, if you've never done so, I want to encourage you, behold, behold what manner of love that God has shown to you and to me through His Son. Behold God's love, recognize your need, and then do this, right where you are, accept that gift, that free gift. All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. You say, what do I say? Exactly that. You say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And the best I know how at this time in this place, I want to trust you as the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm asking you to come inside of my heart. I'm asking you to radically change my life. And Lord, I'm, I'm making the decision today to really celebrate your love for the first time. And Lord, I need your help me to live for you from this day forward. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.